Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. John is not here, but who is? John Esterly, Rare Buzz Effects. All right. John Esterly is joining us. Hey, this is everybody. This is not everybody. This is Todd. This is me. This is Todd from the Guitar Knobs, which you are listening to. We've had uh, a, a, <laughs> a te- <laughs> technical day so far. Everybody, welcome. We're so thrilled that you are listening to our show, and we're glad to be putting it on for you. We're going to have a real good one, I promise. Uh, we've got somebody from the southern area of our country, specifically who and Thanks. where. This is Eric from uh, Frost Giant Electronics out down in Texas, south, south Texas. There we go. South, south Texas. Uh, down there by uh, Hank and... <sighs> Who's that? <laughs> yeah, he wishes. No, I'm I'm actually about two hours from Mexico. I'm uh, out in Corpus Christi. Oh, right on. Well, welcome to the show, Eric from Frost Giant Electronics. Uh, you have been uh, highly requested on the show, uh, so you better own thing. up to it. <laughs> that's not going to happen at all. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. We're going we're gonna to have a really good time tonight. So, uh, Tony Baloney, what do we do on this yes. show? Well, we like to talk about gear. Specifically, we like to talk about boutique gear. Even more specifically, we like to talk to the builders and the movers and the shakers in the boutique gear industry. And that would include things like, oh, guitars, maybe, amps, mm-hmm. pedals, mm-hmm. accessories, mm-hmm. All the good stuff. All the things. Yeah. And uh, if Jared would he was here, he's he's uh, on a much-needed uh, vacation. So uh, he would say that he likes the one-on-ones that we do. And we've got a couple good ones coming up for you. So uh, be on the lookout for those. Uh, gentlemen, we're going to do a couple of uh, real quick announcements here. Number one, we want to say big fat thanks to Rode Mics. For providing the Rodecaster Pro that we are recording on and the Procaster mics, uh, which we have been using faithfully for a long time now, and we just absolutely love it, uh, especially because Rode provides us some uh, updates constantly. Not constantly, like it's always broken constantly because it's always being made better. Um, just even on this call right now. So one thing that longtime listeners may be wondering audio-wise what's going on a little bit lately. Let me explain something to you. Typically, we have each of our mics are going into their own channels when we're in the studio. But because now we're all at home and we all have to do this over the internet, my mic is going into one channel and everybody else's is jammed into one other channel through the internet. And what they were smart enough to do is say, Hey, each of those channels that are coming in through the internet, you can adjust your levels on the internet and we will read them through the, the roadcaster pro so that you can actually, uh, you can uh, adjust it before it even hits the, the board, which is awesome. So, Mic levels and stuff over the last several episodes, we've done the very best we can to get them as, as good as we can and make sure the sound quality, but 
um, since everybody's on the internet, like a million percent of, of the time. We're doing the best we can. We hope you uh, understand that and we appreciate your patience. So, and forgiveness. All right. So we also, and this is a big one. We got another, Tony Baloney, we've mm-hmm. got another grand poobah, baby. I saw that. I'm going to have, right. I need the, I need the, I need the information. Christopher Marshall. I saw that. Is the man. He's the new grand poobah. And what is a grand poobah, you may ask? Well, Tony's going to tell you at the end, but I'll tell you much quicker right now. <laughs> uh, grand poobah is our uh, the excelsior level of the executive Ooh. producers uh, these are the people that are, are above and beyond the our, the uh, executive producer level and there's a, there's a handful of them and one of the special things they get uh, aside from many others is uh, a fez mm-hmm. yes to signify the grand poobahs so anyways welcome to Christopher Marshall, and thank you so much for choosing to support our show in such a big way. Uh, Gentlemen, we're going to get on to what's going on in our music world this week. Tony, you're going to kick us off, and then we'll jump over and talk to Eric real quick, okay? All right, sounds good. That sounds good. So, uh, actually, this happened today. Awesome. Eric, how about you? (laughs) That sounds great. I enjoyed that whole story. You know, we don't need to go further. That was perfect. Uh, Okay, Tony, go ahead. All right, he's punishing me now. (laughs) So this actually happened today. Some friends of mine, you might have heard of them. It's a local band called Watershed. Uh, They were, they actually were a national band in the, in the nineties. But they are, you know, they've been on and off a little bit. Um, They're doing a zoom video and they were trying to conjure up the spirit of like an old smithereens uh, video from the eighties and nineties. And Colin, the guitar player and singer needed uh, a Rickenbacker to play. So through a friend of a friend of a friend, uh, we all, we worked it out. So, uh, Colin will be using one of, one of my, uh, John Lennon style Rickenbackers. Uh, so it has the same kind of the look and feel of the smithereens kind of thing. So I'm kind of excited about that and anxious to see what their, their new song and new video is going to be all about. That's really cool. Yes. Guitar is going to be famous. It's going to be more (laughs) famous than me. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Eric, how about yourself? What's going on, bud? With me, uh, building, getting ready. Uh, we just got uh, the band ourselves. We just had that mastered over at Buddy Zach at uh, God City. Uh, I am constantly building pedals, so just random fun stuff constantly. Um, now, your band is, uh, mm-hmm. what, what's it called? <clears throat> Switchblade Jesus. Okay. And, and you, <laughs> it's uh, like uh, bluegrass? Yeah, yeah, it's it's bluegrass uh, death metal for the most part. Nice, it's it's, 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 its own <laughs> thing. It's uh, man, I, I this is always the worst question to ask a musician. It's it's like if Sabbath and High on Fire got together and had a baby. Okay, that's pretty, pretty much my early thrash with uh, doom, a lot of heavy doom tunings and uh, slow sustains, and a lot of times the album and the first. Uh, uh, split is on Ripple Music right now. Really? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a fan of Ripple. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm admittedly not super heavy into that scene, 
but um, I'm a fan of Todd who runs Ripple and uh, uh, I've actually had a couple conversations with him. It's like he really adds a lot to the, the, um, the burgeoning, you know, community of bands that are trying to, to make themselves something. He's got a lot of great advice. So check Mm -hmm. them out on Instagram because he does these little, you know, Hey everybody, it's Todd. And he, says some word of wisdom and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's totally helping me out with my band. Thank you so much. But, but them. And then a lot of the PR and a lot of the buddies they have another guy named Matt, you know, they, they, they really push and grind the underground scene constantly. Yeah. You know, and I have to, I have to thank them a lot. I really you know? wish that there was a, a record company like <clears throat> them. Uh, and I shouldn't say record company, a label more, mm-hmm. more maybe appropriately uh, like ripple for other types of music like the one that i'm in <laughs> um, he's he's he, he's actually started making a couple of sub labels to accommodate different styles i gotta i gotta get a hold of him then because yeah he's, I, mean, I think he's i think he's got two different ones like uh i know he's, he he wanted to do some kind of psychedelic surf rock and then like garage bands and all that and then i think he's got a heavier heavier one too there's a heavier one Oh as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, wait, he's wait. Are we talking about a label or that yeah. fine American wine? Mm, well, <laughs> well, it, it depends on what time of night it is and yeah. how drunk we are. I mean, there's 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 a lot of things we could talk about yeah. with that. Um, but the label, but the, but the label for this time. Uh, this time yes. Time. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. All right. Well, that's good stuff going on, uh, Mr. Esterly. How about yourself? Well, I, uh, a few weeks back, got a new guitar, so I have been spending some time with that. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, over the course of two months, I've gotten two new guitars from the same company, and uh, I got a bass and then a T-style with, it's got a humbucker in the neck position and then just your standard <coughs> Telecaster pickup in the bridge position. Uh-huh. Uh, but the, the latter, the, the Hello the, Kitty, are you going to share it with us? What's going on? <laughs> well, it's a uh, a company called Glary, and they are a Chinese importer. They are here in the states, but uh, the, the guitars are Chinese built, um, and they're kind of known for being better quality than the money that you pay. But I, I would say about every fourth one you need to send back. Well, I've been fortunate that the two that I've gotten have both been decent. (laughs) But uh, I've I've been spending a lot of time the last week with the the guitar, not the bass, and Uh really enjoying uh, that neck humbucker. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not a brand name pickup. It's just, you know, whatever they got off the shelf, but it's got a real nice sound to it. I've been kind of playing through the some of the pedals that I've got kicking around in upcoming designs just to hear what it sounds like through that. So, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, as for me, I, how about you, Todd? Well, <laughs> clever girl. All right. Um, <laughs> that's a Jurassic Park, right? For instance, in case anybody didn't get that one. Um, so I, I decided, uh, that I wanted to try out a coily cable. It's been one that I've, I've thought about for a while cause I'm in a closer area in my basement now. So having uh, my big long like stage cable is kind of a not the most fun because it just gets wound up. And this <laughs> particular one, 
It's a GLS. Okay, so wait. First, I got the lava cable because I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to get the lava cable, which is like 70 bucks. Yeah. I got it, and I thought that I got a straight with a right angle, and I got I ended up with two straights. And I was like, well, this is useless. So I'm not going to use this um, because I do the, you know, through the through the strap into the, um, you know, into the jack. So I sent it back. And then I said, well, now that I've spent that money and got it back, I, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to see if I can find something a little bit more affordable. And this is also going to be an interesting test. The lava cable was really heavy and it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was thick, like you mentioned, um, Tony. So um, <laughs> the, I ended up getting a, a GLS. Uh, it's uh, a 30-foot which in coily cable means about, you know, 15, you know, five or less. I think I paid like maybe 20 bucks for it or 25 bucks or something like that. And I got it and I was like, this is pretty nice. This is working really well. It's not coiling up on itself or anything like that. Um, I can, I can walk about almost 15 feet back before it like starts pulling. Um, and then I thought, well, I wonder, I, I noticed that Fender had just come out with a, uh, their own coily cable, not the Jimi Hendrix one, but um, uh, their own. It was like a, it's literally, it's a, it's a fabric wrap one. Hmm. So I, that was like 45 bucks. And I was like, well, okay. So I've got a 70, I've got like a 25 and 30, and then I'm trying out a 45. Well, the Fender one showed up and I don't know who, I, I just don't understand this. The coils the diameter of the coil is probably, or I, I would say, let's see. Yeah. It's about the size of a, how do I want to say? It's almost, it's like an inch and a half wide. And I'm like, what the, Wow. who, who wants this? The coils are huge <laughs> and it doesn't stretch any farther. So I'm like, why, why on earth is this a good thing? Like who wants this dangling off the, 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 the guitar? I honestly, I truly don't know if it is a fashion thing. Sometimes, you know, Fender has been, you know, they've been known to chase that, you know, like, Oh, I'm, this is a good idea. But practicality wise, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just way too big. Now I know that there's another brand out there that makes like this really wide, you know, thick cable, uh, thick coil on purpose, I think they've deliberately said, well, we're going to do them, but it's going to be a kind of a ridiculously sized coil. Uh, but f- for Fender to do that, I was just really surprised and um, pretty disappointed, actually. So mm. it, it, it unwound less. So I, could, I had less distance on it. It was heavier and incredibly bulky. Mm. So I don't know what the point of that is. But, but I'm going to date myself, but back in the day, there was a company called Whirlwind that made uh, half coil, half straight cable that I used. Uh, that was what I used to use when I played live. Uh-huh. So you had about, I don't know, maybe 10 feet of straight uh-huh. and then a coil that was, I would expand out to about another 10 feet. So all in all, it was about 20 feet. Yeah. I don't even know if Whirlwind is still in, in, um, in, in business or not, but it I was did a cool pretty game. heavy search for coil cables and I came up with just about nothing, just the, like these couple of brands. So I, I haven't seen them, but you bring up a good point because one of the things that I'm like, I love about the current cable that I had, the rattlesnake cable was that it's, um, 
shout out to Hank uh, from Rattlesnake. Uh, it ha- they sell something called a snakehead. Um, and essentially, it, it so the rattlesnake cables have the, this, the, this mesh like sheath around the entire cable. So like you can step on them, you can drive over them, it's not going to do anything to them, which is great if you're gigging a lot. Um, and then, but it stops about a foot away from the end so that you can wrap your cable up from your strap, put it back in. With the coil cable that I got, this is another thing. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know. I doubt that musicians are actually designing these. I, I really do. I, because all you have to do is say, well, what do most guitar players do? They wrap, they put it up through the back over the, over the, um, the strap and secure it into the end of the out uh, the end of input jack because that keeps it from ripping out or tripping on it. Well, the minute you try to do that with one of the coil cables, unless you have a foot lead, it's going to get jammed up in the strap. Yep. So I it, coil cable makers out there. Think about that. Okay. Because now what I got to do is I got to go to my garage I got to clamp these things down, heat it up and, and straighten it out and then heat it up with a hairdryer. So it'll try to straighten out a little bit so I can get an extra lead. So I'm not putting coil through the back of the strap. <sighs> so anyways, my five minutes are up. Whirlwind is still in business. Is it really? But they don't have the half coil, half straight cable. Uh, well, there's an opportunity for somebody. Go make a good one for Pete's sakes. Just have like about a, just have about a a, a four inch lead, four inch straight lead off of it, or what? No, you need like about a foot, about a yeah, about a good foot, because coming up from the from the back of the strap or you know the strap lock, and, and then down, and regardless of what kind of guitar, you're either going to go into the front or you're going to go into the the profile, the side of the guitar, and either way, you know, having yeah. that extra lead. You're so, not, you know, so, so it doesn't look like an air hose trying to wrap around your guitar. Yeah, try, it's, trying to pull you down. It's so dumb. So I don't know. It's this seems like super common sense to me, but whatever. All right. Anyways, <laughs> let's do some of this. One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. Eric Calvert from Frost Giant Electronics. What is your four on the floor? I'd have to say my number one will always be the rat. The rat pedal. I love that pedal so much. It's everything to me. What version of the rat do you have? Um, well, man, I've had so many different rats. I mean, I could, I could, I could write a novel on them. Um, honestly, I'd have to say my '90s Rat Two. Okay. It's uh, <clears throat> it's right when the LED got put in, and I mean, up to 2001 is when they when they still kept the LM308. Uh, I have funny issues with that old mojo situation but the the rat 2 the uh, the 90s version will always be my favorite it's got a lot more cut and buzz it's more of a of an actual distortion feel and tube amp feel pedal opposed to the the early uh 80s and the the large boxes and stuff like that right right cool okay that's solid rats uh yeah rats i think they they might actually be starting to eclipse the uh, tube screamer in our four on the floor. I, that's what I've oh, been nice. noticing. 
So um, it, it's a perfect pedal to me. I mean, you can put it in front of a Marshall, you can put it uh, on a clean amp. And it's just, it's everything. Yeah, for sure. Uh, our friend Eric Mero just did a really nice little sh- shootout, a, a rat clone mm-hmm. shootout. Uh, check out check out uh, that video over on YouTube, Eric Mero. He's uh, actually got uh, the mountain in that. He's got one of my pedals in that. That's correct. <laughs> and then he's doing a uh, a demo of it coming up soon. So awesome. that should be fun. That's very cool. Very cool. Uh, what's number two? Number two, I'd have to say, would be the 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 Mister Black uh, Supermoon Chrome. Uh-huh. That thing, yeah, that thing. I mean, I've used I've used a lot of different reverbs and delays and all that kind of stuff. But the the first time I got onto the the trails and everything, what is it called on this one? The Sway. Oh my God, that Sway was amazing. So that that was that was an eye opening of uh, of reverb and that type of modulation for me. I really enjoyed that. Awesome. Yeah. Mr. Black's made it on a few times with the super moon. So that's another one. All right. You got two good ones so far. What's number three. I'd have to say the, the Dunwich DA one twenty. It's a uh, overdrive by my buddy Nick over at Dunwich. He did a, a couple of different versions of them and I got this purple and white custom one. And this dude just does amazing stuff. Like his, he's a mad genius. I love his stuff. I love everything that he makes. And this is like perfect amp in a box. So if you want to throw it on like in the studio or you just want to put it in a, a, a send return, I think it's just beastly. Love that. Button. Awesome. And uh, how about number four? I'd have to say the number four is probably my uh, perfect 10, my T-Swap. It is a, uh, a real, real old school kind of build. Uh, the travel on it has a real phaser-like kind of pull to it. And so uh, when I've thrown a, a couple of different pedals, unbuffered or buffered, you know, you'll have that issue on, uh, on some of the older builds like tone benders and fuzz faces. And uh, this thing just holds them all well. I mean, this thing just holds up like a champ. I I busted about three or four different walls. Wow. Uh, sw- yeah, switches and just playing live. I'm, I'm real reckless. I'm kind of real hard on my gear. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I picked this thing up, I needed something that was a lot more sturdy. And this thing's been just holding its own for years. What, now, do you put your wall in front or uh, the beginning of the chain or the end of the chain? Front. Okay. I always put it. Yeah, I always put it in the front because I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to change the curve of my distortion pedals. I'm trying to change that curve before it hits it. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, man. Well, that's pretty solid. Very good ones. Well done. You get a star. Yay! Uh, so. <laughs> Hey, we want to say a big old shout out to John Fiddle, uh, recording engineer, extraordinaire producer, and uh, guitar man himself. Uh, and all around nice guy. And all around mm-hmm. nice guy. He's a, he's, a, he's a sweetheart and a gentleman. Uh, but most importantly, he really understands guitar tone. And uh, if you are in need of some recording action and or just w- want to get you know a great opinion on like, hey, how can you handle this? Uh, John is a, a g- great resource to go to. His studio is located in, in Columbus here, but he does travel all over the country uh, recording at, at different areas. So we just want to 
give a shout out to him, johnfintel.com, J-O-N-F-I-N-T-E-L. And he's a relay recording. Um, he just did our album, The Valentinos, and I could not be more thrilled with the guitar tone that he got for me. And by that, I mean that he got me the one that I wanted, not the one that that he wanted. I think that's important to note because if you listen to all the albums that he's recorded, they all sound different, but they sound amazing for each of their own bands. And I think that's really important. He helped me find my studio voice uh, with the guitar, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Thanks, big man. All right, let's talk to Eric Calvert from Frost Giant Electronics, maker of uh, some pretty impressive fuzzes and other types of things, not just fuzz. It does say fuzz worship, so he he does honor the the fuzz church, but uh, um, he, he makes some really useful other pedals too. I have one in front of me called the Yama. Um, so we'll get into that in a second, but um, are you in fact actually seven foot two yes okay yes i am actually uh by by law i'm supposed to put 12.5 but we're just gonna go 7.2 okay <laughs> <laughs> um he, he does look like a giant like if you think what does a giant look like i, I mean you know uh, it is, yeah, no, no, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm like six four or something like that. So I'm yeah. kind of tiny, like because uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, an artist for Laney Amps, and uh, when I go to Nam, I get to meet all the the guys from Europe, and geez, Louise, man, I look like a troll, man, I look like a <laughs> dude, I look like a troll, I look like I'm a, a, a I'm a, I'm a sidecast for one of the Hobbit movies. Yeah. It's hair and gristle and snot everywhere. Hey man, there's a future in that. Get in, be, be an extra for Pete's sakes. You know, I don't think, I don't think Hodor got his, uh, got his <laughs> chops from Shakespeare, you know, he did. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> I went total tangent, whatever. Um, no, but you also have, uh, quite a bit of, um, uh, of hair on on your face and then your head it's cascading <laughs> yeah. everywhere in fact is this actually this might be you on the front of the yama is it it's it's not but it's 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 slowly taken on its form because well uh, since the band is also a uh, switchblade jesus people ask yes we like so are you jesus in the band <laughs> like well no but no yeah. thank you <laughs> yeah um, well, so Eric, how did you, uh, you know, I think the best place to start is what was the trigger that got you into music? Oh man, it was my dad. Uh, for, for the most part, you know, I always grew up listening, you know, he's like, he listened to, uh, you know, I'm how old am I? I am 37, I think. And so, <clears throat> you know, I grew up with a lot of early Slayer and Judas Priest and, and Pantera, you know, in the nineties and so forth. And so he always, you know, went to shows and had music and guitars. And, you know, the first thing I learned was, uh, I think it was Iron Man. I know it was Sabbath, so I'm pretty positive it was Iron Man. And we used to just, uh, he actually raced uh, MotoGP. So we used to go in the garage and strip down his bikes. And then when he started getting a guitar, we started stripping and repainting his guitars. So it was always music and taking stuff apart. I mean, that's just real. It's always been, you know, since day one. Yeah. Is he, is your dad still around? 
Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For the most part. <laughs> I, well, I don't mean did he run off? R U N N O F T on the air? <laughs> no. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he, he actually. Uh, I gave him one of my the amps I used to tour with back in the back when we started out. I had a, a Randall solid state. It was and what was an R H one or R H two fifty. And uh, the other guy, he needed an amp, so I let him borrow that. My dad let me. He bought this crank amp, and uh, he's like, it's too loud for me. So I took it on tour, and then uh, I gave it back to him, actually, for Father's Day. I was like, here you go. And then I uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Happy Father's Day, bro. And so, <laughs> Thank you for telling us a little bit of the background of where you uh, came in. Uh, now, how does one go from playing and touring and everything to saying, I need to uh, I need to exercise my right to make pedals. Well, what really happened was uh, at you know as as a musician, you know it's it's the most lucrative career in the world, and you know the money just just falls upon your lap. <laughs> so I was going, how am I going to eat food with all this money? You can't just eat it. But what really <laughs> ha- what really happened was. Uh, we, we needed to pay rent and uh, get groceries. So I started on one of the, the, the Facebook groups. It's called First Church of Empire Worship. In the beginning, it started as just this huge group of people that just love, you know, 200 watt amps that push, you know, three full stacks, just most ungodly thing ever. And so uh, we, we started making shirts and I started making bootleg shirts. And then a couple people asked for things. And so went back and forth making shirts, making shirts. You know, I really didn't sell that many, but just enough to, to pay the bills. And uh, I, uh, at one of the shows, one of my rats, my, well, actually my rat, my, my one that I had since the 90s, it, it, you know, died out on me. So went on, you know, eBay, ordered an, another 90s one. And uh, when it came in, I noticed both of mine sounded different. So that's when I started, like, you know, really getting interested in what was going on. Uh, found another one on eBay that was broken, ordered that, fixed it, noticed it sounded a little bit different, but this had a little bit more characteristics. Mm-hmm. So what really happened was, you know, me breaking stuff and, you know, my dad telling me, you know, pretty much fix it, learn how to fix it. And uh, I started noticing that uh, all, the, all the different ones just sounded different. Or all the, the other ones I was getting. So I ordered, uh, I wanted to, to build my own just for, for my own self. And uh, the, I ordered from Mammoth some cases and they sent me the wrong drill pattern. So I was like, hey guys, you know, you sent me the wrong one. And Mammoth's like, okay, no problem, we'll send you another one. Well, they sent another one, wrong one again. For five cases, I had uh, enough to build my pedal plus, you know, some other random ones. Mm-hmm. So I uh, built a couple of mountains and put them on Facebook and they sold. Just kind of took off from there, honestly. And then I wanted a uh, Slowmatics. I love them to death. And then Just they, really, really quick, Eric, why did you yeah. call it the mountain? Uh, so that is your, that is your, essentially your rat, the, your version yeah. of a rat. Because in our split, I used the prototype for the song Heavy is the Mountain. Oh, Okay. And that's where that came in. Cool. Yeah. So I I used the prototype for that that last track to just to see how it recorded recorded good. I liked it, and so yeah, it, it became the mountain because of that track right there. 
and then I wanted uh, a Slowmatics kind of big, big uh, buzz bass, meathead type of sound. But the the ones that I found, you know, I they were great, but they just didn't have the mids that I preferred. Mm-hmm. So I uh, breadboarded and uh, I put those up on Reverb. Those sold. A couple of buddies asked for some more. I made one for a bassist. Uh, bassist really started enjoying it because they heard his tone. It just kind of snowballed from that. All right. So yeah, out of necessity comes a lot of stuff. So that sounds like you just started going like, Hey, if I, if I had bare minimum, just do what I need, maybe mm-hmm. this can go somewhere. Yeah. It, it really wasn't me trying to start a pedal business. It was, uh, me just trying to get the tones I wanted because I couldn't afford the pedals. I mean, that's really what it is. You know, yeah. I, you know, when, when you're, when you're a, a musician getting thousands and thousands of dollars every day, you know, playing at your local bars, you know, <laughs> you, you can't really afford some of the, some of the, the high end gear and a lot of the high it's, it's weird. Cause I don't, my high end gear is not the same as other people's. My high end gear is like, you know, super benders and, you know, old fuzz faces and buzz arounds and, you know, all those vintage color sound. And, oh, yeah. you know, th- that's what I love. And, but those things are like 500 bucks. Yeah. Like I can buy, I can buy an amp for that. Yeah. You In could. some cases. Yeah. So instead of, uh, instead of, you know, trying to buy them, I would just study the schematics and, you know, throw a breadboard or throw it on a barrow and then socket stuff and just change it to my liking. And then once I found a tone, I like, you know, that's where I went from. Cause I, I really don't have tons of electronic, you know, like a lot of these guys are really, really big electrical engineers mm-hmm. and I, I love what they do. And I, and I you know, just amazing but you know i i I of course know the basics but i go by ear i go by changing stuff up and listening to it giving it to our bassist and having him run through it right feedback so forth it seems to work for me now did you find that there's any difference in how you're approaching it from for lack of better terms more doomy or or heavier stuff right did you have to adjust to accommodate that yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to, the, the amount of bass treble and all that kind of stuff that goes into the build and, you know, how you have your bias uh, type of transit. I mean, a lot of that factor comes into it because a lot of these guys play on the neck and, you know, their, their tones already thick and muddy. So you have to compensate for that and make it a little bit more sharper of a drive or give them the option where they can make it sharper with a focus knob or, right. you know, or, or a high cut or bass cut, whatever, you know, to, to, get him in those fields that's why the mountain has three uh silicon settings or three diode settings and a distortion and overdrive right. because you know some guys really want that big big open sound so you put it on the last one but some dudes like me prefer more cut more of a distortion so we put it on the first and have it more aggressive right. so right. You, you you do have to adjust that and a lot of things too is you can't use cheap parts because these guys you know, they're running 15 pedals with the worst patch cables ever going into a one spot, you know, pushing three Ampeg V4s. You know, if, if, if you're using, you know, cheap components, you're going to hear noise, buzz, that sometimes you can't get rid of the Mexican radio, but, you know, when it, when it comes in so heavy with those cheap parts, it's just ridiculous. So, I mean, you, you have to, you really have to sit and, you know, decide on what they're going to be used for. For, from what my standpoint has been. Gotcha, gotcha. 
Um, well, you you uh, sent us along the Yama, uh, which mm-hmm. is called a Tone Explorer. Yes. Um, it's got a really cool graphic of a bearded, scully-type dude surrounded by <laughs> magi and philosophers. It's one of those, like, you know, super old woodcut mm-hmm. kind of deals. It's pretty cool. Um wow. I asked you to send us this one because I, I know that you obviously make some pretty awesome fuzz uh, and and a lot of heavier stuff. Mm-hmm. And this sounded like it, it it could be useful for me, uh, also based on the description, which was like, hey, if you're looking to find or or help refine your tone after your signal chain, then this could be helpful. Mm-hmm. It sounded to me almost like this is like, this could be kind of like an EP boost a little bit. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually a uh, fun facts. It's an acoustic preamp. Well, yeah, that's what it says on the thing pretty much too. I think Todd, Todd, I think you meant that by saying that you meant it's nothing like an EP boost. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I do on this show. <laughs> so, uh, the thing about the Yama is that's actually a, a build with my buddy from Gremlin Audio Devices. Uh, we went back and forth talking about different preamps and boosts, and there's this certain uh, preamp that everybody loves in the Doom community. And so uh, we we started going through uh, different designs, and he went with this, and I was like, yeah, you know, pretty much, you know, it's what one of the ones that I love. We, uh, he took it apart. I took mine apart. He redesigned his a certain way and I redesigned mine a certain way. And, uh, it's just, I don't know. I love this build. It's, it's really great for me to put at the, the end of a chain because mm-hmm. I use it to, uh, really, really put heft back into your guitar signal. Okay. Well, let me explain myself here, guys. All of you naysayers, Tony Baloney. That's me. Yeah. So based on what you said just now and based on what it says on your website, which is what caught my interest, um, I run an EP boost after my drive chain. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I do that to give it, I'll give it the thing that the EP does is like this, a sparkle and a little bit more, um, you know, heft, I guess you could Mm say. Yeah. So I put the Yama after all of that. So it would technically come after the, uh, after the EP and I toggled them back and forth and they were doing almost the same thing, except this had, I found I had more control over how Mm -hmm. much, um, I guess sparkle I wanted on it via the tone knob. And that's one thing that the EP doesn't do. And, and the more I listened to it, the more I was thinking like this EP is kind of like, it's, it's almost like rolling the tone off too much. It's like a little on the muddy side. Like if I'm trying to get some articulation on, on my, my E string, right? Like if I'm digging into it, I don't want it to go like, you know, this helped maintain that articulation on the low strings and kept the sparkle on the on where I wanted it. I could, you know, obviously change that cuz that's what the tone knob is for. So, I it was really interesting because it was doing what I wanted it to do even though I don't necessarily know that it was designed to do that, but 
uh, it was going toe to toe with the EP boost. And in many cases, I, I felt that it was winning out. No, nice. Thank you. So, yeah, that's what, that's why I always, when, when people ask about it, that's why I tell them to put the Yama at the end of the chain and Yomi, which is the treble booster in a way at the front of the chain, because the Yama is really going to shape everything that comes after that and really give you that sparkle and heft. Yeah, that you're trying to get back because so when you start putting a bunch of uh, digital and analog pedals on the same board, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose. You're going to lose that signal near the end of it. Yeah. Well, and the the other thing that I I don't know if I figured this out or anything, but uh, it occurred to me is that what I felt like I was losing um, with some of the overdrive that I was running, it was like it felt a little bit more open and a little bit more raw not overly controlled or round or like smoothed out too much or like almost compressed sounding. And that's what the EP, the EP boost started to give me a little bit of that. It started to kind of take away some of that rippy Terry kind of stuff that you can't really manufacture. That was just a product of going through like a stacked overdrive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then when I was doing, when I hit this, I, it was, it was maintaining it. So, I, I was I was really happy with the result of that. So, um, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what what does that mean? <laughs> uh, anyways, well, uh, because just I should have figured because you are using the EP booster incorrectly. Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> that's because it didn't sound good in it. It didn't sound as good in front. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I'm just saying, man. I've what I've, amp are you using? I'm using uh, Supro Black Magic. Oh wow, that thing should sound amazing up front. Then wow, that's weird. Well, it's not that it didn't sound good. It just sounded. I think it. I felt like it sounded better after my drives because I'm running. I'm. I'm I've got a small sound, big sound, FUCK drive, mm-hmm. and then uh, I've got a, a Greer Moonshot, mm-hmm. and. I've tried that in front and in back of the and 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 then after that I I had that EP boost and it's it, it still sounds good don't get me wrong but this was doing a little something different I was like ooh hey now what's this? <laughs> yes. no, I'm glad you liked it I'm really glad you liked yes, it yes so um Tony's gonna get this right after me I just haven't had a chance to see him yet unfortunately cool. but. Anyhow, so that's the Yama, everybody. Um, and I know this isn't the Yama show, but this is the one that's in front of me. And I thought that this was really intriguing coming, especially, you know, I think when we're talking to Frost Giant, it's going to be like, oh, great. They're going to talk about fuzzes the entire time, which, hey, everybody likes a good fuzz. But I thought this was like something maybe uh, people weren't ex- expecting. No, no, not at all, especially at now. You know, I had the board set up and uh, the way I would run it, is you know listen to this pedal listen to this pedal then listen to this pedal with the yama like whoa I'm like yeah okay yeah. listen to this pedal now listen to this pedal with the yama whoa what's the yama and then we would go into details about it yeah very it's, nice. it's, it's a it's a fun pedal it really is you know I, I have to say that one stays on my board on doesn't turn off yeah i leave it on 24 i'm probably going to build mine like remove the foot switch and just put an on and off switch on it just for my own personal that's not a bad idea I mean, yep. honestly, that's not not too bad. Uh, <laughs> keep going with those good ideas you have. I approve of that. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so I think it, John, John Esterly over there, Johnny Boy. Yes. How are you doing over there? I'm fine. That's I'm great. 
Lots of logging in and out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those who uh, haven't figured it out, we've been having one awesome time fighting the internet tonight. <laughs> Lots of logging in and out. Yeah. So uh, much. So every time you hear like a little like Pied Piper, like that's somebody dipping in or out, you know, uncontrollably. So I just picture like a Power Ranger just kind of doing the hands, popping right in. <laughs> yeah. So Eric, uh I think the the artwork on your pedals is is really great. Is that something that you uh came up with yourself or do you have a an, a resident artist? Uh I have a, a couple of buddies that that have done some pedals with me. Uh most of the artwork that that is on that I've done uh the some of the older stuff, I don't know if I still have them out, but uh you can actually go and pull old lithograph type of carvings. That's what's similar to the Yama one. Oh yeah, and uh, so I had uh, Jean from Shroud Eater. She's making my base mountain, and she came out with that one. And then uh, I have another buddy out in uh, Europe, and she does my rat pink ones. I do a, a lot of art myself, but honestly, I just don't have time to sit and draw like I used to. I I have way too many pedals. I have to to keep going and just not stop. So luckily, I found a, a nice little niche in a uh, in a type of you know art layout. It seems to be working for me. I really love the the theme. It goes with the fuzz worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this town, Corpus Christi, is huge Catholic. So I, I have a lot of Catholic that was raised in me, and seeing a lot of these you know churches and you know different situations really instilled it. Nice, yeah, and it's all public domain. So ta da. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah, and so uh, I had the Four Horsemen massive, <clears throat> and that one's public domain because it was, you know, it was carved in 1400s. And uh, a buddy of mine, customer, asked it, you know, for his pedal, and people started tagging. He's like, "Hey, they're using your artwork." I'm like, "Nah, I'm using somebody else's artwork for this one. This guy, th- this is, yeah, he's fine. He's great. He's awesome." <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, relax, guys. Nobody's stealing from anybody. Everything's great. I promise. <laughs> Actually, that guy is uh, Tony Peppers out of New Zealand. And I got to give a shout to him because. Oh, yeah. Great. He's been uh, he's been referenced on the show before. Um, yeah, he's he's uh, helped me with uh, a couple of board layouts. Uh, he knows how to do it's called paneling. And you can put so many boards on one panel. So when you order it, you get a big sheet of them and just kind of break them like a, like a cracker. Mm-hmm. And you, it just saves on money and you know stuff like that. So he's been really helpful on that one. So I just need to throw that out. John, have you uh, toyed around with that kind of uh, board? When we're talking about boards, everybody we're talking about PCB boards. So that's mm-hmm. the board inside the puddle in case you don't know, which is cool. <laughs> um, John, have you have you messed around with those, that type of PCB? I have done a little bit. Now, the board house that I use typically, um, they figure out that you're trying to get more boards than you should, and they'll charge you anyway. <laughs> so I yeah. usually ju- just let them do it because if they're going to charge me for it anyway, I'm not going to you know spend my time. But yeah. yeah, some of the other houses you can you know you can basically run. 50 of the same thing into a little footprint and then, you know, just order one of those instead of 50 and you end up with getting a lot for a lot for a little. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you got to do all the cutting and all that business. Right. 
Well, I mean, um, like Eric said, you just kind of pop them apart like uh, like a cracker. I mean, it just uh, they're usually either there's like a V groove in it, or there's uh, they call them mouse bites, but mm. you know, little dotted lines that you just snap it right on the edge and it right. comes apart. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I learned a little something new there. I like that. That's good. Well, uh, Eric, you, do you have any uh, anything that's that's looming? I know that you know a lot of people were preparing the year for nam coming up so mm-hmm. there's a lot of builds and stuff that people are having do you have anything uh, in the works there i have uh the base mountain which is uh my mountain with a mosfet and led clipping and a blend knob with a game shape to kind of help with the clicks you know mm-hmm. when, when you're going into a base mm-hmm. uh i have a uh, uh overdrive coming out with uh Clon D9E uh, diodes, but it's it's not a Clon base. It's just use those fancy diodes. Uh, let's see what else do I have? That I have sounds a like a, that sounds like a pretty cool. So would that be like a that's like a low uh, a low gain overdrive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna uh, switchable base. Uh, it's gonna have attack uh, attack adjustment to go and coincide with uh, the gain. So you can really if you need more sizzle out of it you can kind of push it but i mean just to keep it that kind of low grind you know just kind of pull it back yeah and two others that i have coming out but i don't even really want to talk about this yet because they're just the boards are here but they haven't even gone into prototype phase yet sure yeah i got way too much stuff <laughs> that i need to calm down with honestly oh man well that sounds awesome I, that overdrive sound do you know what you're going to call the overdrive not yet i i okay. i Prototype's done. It sounds great. I'm happy with it. Uh, I have one boxed up. I wanted to. I wanted to take it on the road, but you know, can't really take it on the road right now. And so uh, I'm going to run it through my bassist and have him do it because a lot of bassists use my pedals. So I just want to make sure that everybody's has a chance. You know, if it you know, how it sounds different. You know, I can tell people works good or if it doesn't. And so uh, hopefully I'll have that one ready by Halloween. Is what I'm going for. Cool. Yeah, I need to get the base mountain out first. Right on. All right, Eric, thank you so much for sharing all about your uh, pedal thing that you do, your company, (laughs) your fuzz-worshipping Frost Giant Electronics pedals. Um, We are going to dip in a little thing called Would You Rather. Uh, Tony, would you care to... uh, In memory of Jared, who's who's not who's still very much alive. <laughs> Do I need to burn a candle? Yes, let's let's burn. Let's burn some candles, maybe a little incense. Yeah. Would you rather? Okay, this week's would you rather? Sound like Marmaduke. <laughs> okay, do it. What's do your, it, Todd. You're gonna love this one. Good. I, I know you're going to love it. Oh, I'm going to hate it. No, you're going to love it. Okay. So this week's Would You Rather, many of you may have heard that uh, the Kurt Cobain 59 Martin D18E broke the all-time record for a celebrity-owned and played guitar at auction. Mm-hmm. I know when who bought it. Yes. That's why it comes full circle. So it's uh, it, it's just sold for uh, a shade over six million dollars. <laughs> it's ridiculous. 
Is that where Jared is? Yeah, Jared is going to pick it up right now. Yeah. <laughs> He's hoped that there would be two of them. Yeah, that's his MO. <laughs> so anyhow, for those who may or may not know, Kurt Cobain was in a band called Nirvana. Uh, there was a series on MTV back when they used to have music programming uh, called MTV Live. And Nirvana played uh, some acoustic versions of things some cover tunes. And so this guitar, it was Martin's take on installing a pickup into an acoustic guitar. So uh, obviously Kurt was a lefty, so it made it even a little more rare. So Todd, do you want to announce who the, the proud owner of this guitar is now? Yes. So Peter Freeman, the hmm? founder of Rode Mics, actually bought it. Really? Yes. <clears throat> Yeah, he's a he's a pretty young dude too. I mean, not like twenty or anything like that, but he's not like you know some old old guy. You know, uh, yeah, he bought it. How about that? That's pretty pretty spectacular. So yeah. hopefully he does some good with that. I think he'd already announced some of the things that he's he's going to do. So we'll keep our eyes and ears open. Yeah. So that's the first half of the Would You Rather. So prior to this sale of over six million dollars. The top three uh, celebrity-owned and played guitars were the David Gilmour Black Strat, which sold for about $3.95 million. The Jimi Hendrix 68 Strat, which sold for about $2 million. And the Peter Green slash Gary Moore-owned 59 Les Paul Standard, which also sold for $2 million. Mm -hmm. So the Would You Rather is... Kurt Hammond owns that now. Yes, so the would you rather is, would you rather have Kurt Cobain's 59 Martin D18 or all three of the other guitars of the David Gilmore Black String? How is that even know. a contest? There might be a Nirvana fan out there that says, I've got to have Kurt's guitar. Yes. But you just said, all you said was Gilmore, and that already, like, that won it all right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it is interesting. The all three thing is, I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the, the easy way to say, yes, please. Okay. Let's start off with uh, John Esterly. John, what are you going to do? I think I'm going to choose what I would assume to be the, the obvious choice there. And that's the other three. Um, we, we had this discussion at work actually right after the guitar sold. and even though that was a, a pretty important moment in music, I think anybody would agree. Um, whether you're a Nirvana fan or not, I think the, the unplugged performance really kind of changed the way that music is presented. And uh, certainly a very, very important guitar, but $6 million is an absolutely absurd amount of money for that. Um, so I think given the choice of that one guitar, which to be fair, is kind of an odd duck versus the other three, which are all in their own right, very legendary guitars. And I think a little bit more, I don't know, more traditionally thought of as quite valuable or quite important. I think that'd be the, that'd be the choice. That's acceptable. Your reasoning yeah. is sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, what do you think? We'll let I, the children bicker. I have to go with the three just because the Gilmore itself. Like that, that guitar is, 
I mean, I, I agree that, you know, that unplugged was one of the most, I'm, I don't think MTV could have ever topped that, that airing because that Nirvana unplugged was just, you know, just perfect. But I'm going with those other three just because of the Gilmore like that, that, that thing has so much history to itself. You know, it's, it's more, it's more, you know, what, what's been played on that guitar for me. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, it, it's not bad for a parts caster. Yeah. It's not bad for a parts caster. I mean, you know, <laughs> you just throw it, throw it together, you know, held together for a couple of years with some duct tape and you know, a couple of random drilled holes. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. I mean, I guess who, who's that? What's that other guy? Eddie Van something. He did something with the parts caster, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Didn't he do something? I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure he did. I don't know if that was uh, Fernandez. It might have been. That might have been a custom. Who knows? Uh, originally yeah. was a Kramer. It was Kramer, right? Yeah. Well, yep. from what from what I was understood, he uh, he always hung out with uh, hung out over at Grover's uh, repair shop. Oh yeah. And and he just started like I don't want to say stealing stuff, but kind of like just stealing <laughs> stuff. And yeah, and then he I think that neck was a Kramer. I think it was kind of. Hey, look! You don't need that. You know, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take the the pickup from a ES355, and hey, look! I'm a god. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. nice. Uh, Tony, Todd, I'm gonna go against the grain, and I'm taking Kurt's Martin D18E. Okay. That's because I want it. I mean, I think it would be. I mean, I, I remember watching that on MTV live and um, plus I could get to hang out with Peter Friedman, owner of road. Yeah, that's true. You'd be picking it up from him. Okay. Now, Todd, I am going to remind you that two of these other guitars are indeed Stratocasters. Yes. <laughs> I understand that. So what Ooh. is your choice? Um, this, this is going to be my response to the Kurt Cobain guitar. I will take only the Gilmore guitar. I will right. I will walk away from those other two guitars sitting there. I realize one was was Jimi Hendrix's guitar. But this is this is basically saying that's much how that's how much I don't want this. <laughs> okay. Someone's just looking outside, it looks all beat up, and I just don't know about it, man. Yeah. yeah, but I'm with it's you not, on that. It comes with the original case. Uh, oh well, fantastic. that's something. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm I'm with you on that, Eric. Because I mean, just imagine what oh, was yeah. created on that Gilmore guitar and played, and like I mean, you know, arguably maybe the best solo ever. Oh yeah, on that one. So, um, anyways, okay, that was a that was a pretty fun one, Tony. What do you consider the best solo ever? From Gilmore? November yeah. Rain, all day long. Huh. Oh. <laughs> huh. Um, let's see. Are you talking about uh, Division Bell? Yeah, okay. Comfortably, comfortably okay. Dumb. All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I will agree with you on that. That's, I, show me a, a better one in <laughs> any in history ever. So I, I, I think yeah. there, were, there was something on the Villantino's album that, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I managed to get one in there. Yes. Thank you, Tony, for the plug. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, everybody. We need to thank a few people here. 
um, as John Esterly continues to <laughs> to fight the internet. <laughs> no uh, we have two guests yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness sakes. Um, all right, Tony. Um, yes. We got some people to think, like I just said. So uh, we got oh, a lot of do. them. So let's get to it. and uh, Get to it before the system crashes. That's correct, Mundo. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. So at this point of the show, well, I'm doing double duty today. I had to do the Would You Rather and this very special segment. Mm-hmm. We like to thank a very special group of people, our executive producers. Now, somebody out there, John, Eric, maybe, they might be wondering what is an executive producer. I don't think John knows. What's an executive producer? Oh, it's a very special group of people who participate in Patreon. If you go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs, you can see a couple of different levels in which you can participate. And each level comes with some really great rewards, things like, oh, barefoot buttons and stickers and keychains and T-shirts. And there's so many things. I, I, I It just boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. But in, when you get up to the executive producer level, there is, in addition to all that great stuff, there's a very special thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Jared, what is that? You get to have your name read on the thing. Your name read on the thing. Ooh. And that's what I'm going to do right now. So we have a new executive producer, Mr. Richard Kendall. Welcome aboard. Yes. Steve Keys, Adam Johnson, James Pennington, Liam Martin, Matt Hart, James White, Brett Alexander, Justin Jones, Doug Gann, Tim Nowak. John Esterly? Mm. Is that somebody? That name sounds awfully familiar. Chris Heidel, Brad Partridge, Tyler Bray, John Anglin, Anthony Lanthrop, Johnny Knowles, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Brian Robison, Ken Sayers, Michael Van Zant, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Chris Carney, John Daly, Martin Cliff, and Tom Brazen. Oh yeah. But wait. Uh-huh. Don't don't think you're getting away easy, Tom, not today. Because you may have remembered never from do, the, Tony. From the beginning of this episode, Todd alluded to something special that happened. Yes. We uh, got well, let's just talk about Grand Pubas for just a second. So a division of our executive producers the upper echelon, if you will, we call them our grand poobas. And they get to wear a very special fez as being part of the guitar knob family mm-hmm. and a member of the grand pooba clan. So let's start with our newest. Among a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> a bunch and of... Really, that's that's the extra tier. That's the Excelsior tier of, it, of rewards. You use the word Excelsior twice today. I like it. That's a $10 That's word. A- There's your new pedal name there, Eric. Excelsior! <laughs> Seriously, I, I expect to see it on there. <laughs> so let's welcome aboard our newest friend and bestest buddy and grand pooba, Mr. Christopher Marshall. Welcome. Welcome aboard. Right on. You are joined by some other great folks, namely Mark Garten. 
Tommy Manasco, Sean S. Cody Foster, Cody Lane, David Kaminga, Corey Nigro, Jonathan Jerusek, and that's all. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much to all of those fantastic supporters. We truly appreciate uh, everything that you are doing for us and uh, hope that you appreciate everything that we do for you and all of our other listeners. It means a lot to us, this back and forth of generosity and giving and support. So muchas gracias. Indeed. All right. Uh, we need to find out a couple more things here. So um, Eric, where mm-hmm. can people find and buy your, your stuff? Um, my main website is fuzzworship.com, but, uh, I have a good support of dealers, uh, from, uh, Cosonic and then, uh, Empire Guitars, Boston Guitar, uh, Axing You Shall Receive out of, uh, Canada. If anybody's above, you know, <clears throat> above the, the, the U S line trying to find something, I have to worry about shipping too bad. Uh, Reverb, Reverb's a great, you know, a lot of my dealers, you know, will post there, but, uh, Easiest way is just to, to follow me on Instagram. I post all my customs and one-offs there as well. And when I update the website, and so I usually try to keep that uh, current. So if anybody's looking for anything or if anybody has any questions, just find me on Instagram or send me an email through buzzworship.com. Aha. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. Um, we, uh, Excelsior. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see here. John Esterly, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at www.rarebuzzer.com, B U Z Z E R, and uh, at rarebuzzer on all the social medias. Awesome. Thank you, John. Thank you. And thank you for your support calling you out specifically. You've been a great supporter of the show and we love yes. having you on and uh, and off and on and off and on and off. <laughs> right? Exactly. This, this, yeah. this was a bonding experience, I have to say. It was. Yeah. It, Tony, how about yourself, buddy? Well, you can go over to Excelsior.com. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say you need a special pick guard for a special guitar, for a special friend. Mm-hmm or a special bandmate. Go over to PickGuardian.com, take a look at what I've got available for sale. If you need something custom, you know, 90% of what I do is custom, so shoot me an email. You can click on the link or go to info at PickGuardian.com and uh, just let me know what you need. I will take care of you. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, let's see here. Um, you How about you, Todd? Can, well, thank you very much. Um, you can send me a, an email, Todd at the guitarnobs.com. Uh, you can also DM me on Instagram at guitarnobs. We love getting messages from all you guys and gals and everybody. Share what you're doing, share what you're digging. Share if you got a complaint with us. We we got open ears. We're not above changing. But send us some uh, would you rather's, or let us know what's on your pedal board because we need some. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What was wrong with today? I only had one dart left. I had to use it. (laughs) Hold on to that one. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, yeah, we really appreciate everybody, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, Make sure that you. 
check out Frost Giant Electronics. Get some of those pedals over there. Uh, be on the lookout for his new stuff. Thank you so much, Eric, for hanging in there with us. We had a great yeah. time talking with you. Oh, no, so much. You know, I'm, I really appreciate you guys, you know, you know, jumping in and out of this this chat with me for for a few hours. You know, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it wasn't the wasn't the most smoothest interview y'all done. But uh, I appreciate you know sticking it out there and thank y'all for having me on here. It was it was a blast. Hopefully, I didn't sound too much like a fool. No, I try no, not you sounded great. Had a good job. <laughs> nice job. I, I know that there's a lot of people that are waiting to hear from you, so we appreciate it. All right, everybody, oh, have a fantastic guitar week and subscribe. Yes. Should you use the actual words blah 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 in the description? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have to plug this one in too. Oof. We're gonna go into our next uh segment. Screw Frost Giant. Screw <laughs> screw everything about them. And I can understand that. Why don't you clap and then we'll yeah, go I'm, to the next uh, segment? Would you switch it for me, sweetheart? No. Todd, instead of that, just clap and we'll go on to the next segment. Oh, boy. Well, all right. Bye, Jared. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Tony. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time